Hey everyone, you are listening to Medical Melanin, and this is your host, Dr. Dominique Carey, family nurse practitioner. This episode is going to be slightly different because the guest is me. So let's jump in. Episode three is going to be slightly different because the guest is me. I reached out to some family and friends and asked for questions about any and everything related to my career, my education, my business, my personal life. And I also brought some questions of my own. So let's finally introduce myself and see where this goes. So I decided to go into nursing, not on a whim, but it wasn't my original plan. Funny story, I actually wanted to be a doctor, a physician, and specifically an OBGYN. And that is because when I was in high school, I watched Knocked Up and I think it's hilarious, but I don't know why it just triggered me into wanting to be an OBGYN. So I went to college with the intentions of going to medical school. But then when I started to investigate that, I realized that was going to take me at least 12 years and that did not sound fun. So I was like, okay, I could do pre-med in nursing because my grandma's a nurse. Um, And my counselor was basically like, those two things don't match up, which I thought was incredibly strange. But okay, I'm like, well, let's just do nursing because I can get a job in four years. So nursing it was. Um, I went through nursing school. I had my daughter in nursing school. Um, and that was a struggle. <laughs> I got through to close to the end of my nursing school before I became a registered nurse. And I already knew that I don't want to be a floor nurse, which is what we call ourselves when we work inpatient in the hospital. I knew I didn't want to do that for the rest of my life. Um, being a registered nurse in the hospital or a long-term care, care facility like a nursing home is backbreaking labor and it's often unappreciated and I didn't want to do that for the next 60 years, 50 years. So before I even graduated from nursing school, I applied to the nurse practitioner program at the school I was attending and I got in, contingent on me (laughs) graduating and passing my boards. So I went straight back to nurse practitioner school, which is frowned upon by so many um, because I didn't have any experience yet. And I do think experience helps. And I worked all while I was in nurse practitioner school. So I did get experience. Um, I just didn't have 10 years or five years before I started. Um, So I graduated in July and that August I was back in school. And when I say I strongly underestimated nurse practitioner school, I strongly underestimated it. To me, in my mind, I was like, this is just like advanced nursing. (laughs) Yeah, that is advanced nursing. But when I tell you being a nurse practitioner is a completely different mindset from being a registered nurse, it will blow your mind. So I was like getting into the meat of the program and I'm like, oh, oh, I need to I need to buckle down. Um, and so that's what I did. I was completely miserable in nurse practitioner school because it is a major sacrifice. Nursing school was hard. Um, and I worked throughout nursing school and NP school, but the mind and the material of NP school is unmatched. We are reading 
thousands of pages every couple weeks for exams. And when I tell you when I finished my program, I knew nothing because I feel like I had just learned and dumped information for tests. I went to a board review with a couple friends I made in my program, and I swear that was the first time I was learning um, because it's just so much material. And I did a completely online program. Obviously, I had to go to clinicals in person, but the, all the teaching was online. Um, and we didn't really have lectures back then. And so it was mostly um, me leading myself. And it was stressful. And I cried more times than I would like to admit. My fiance and my mom have both seen me curled into a ball. Um, thinking it was the end of my world and life, but I made it through in three years. So while I was in MP school, I did several different jobs as a registered nurse. I actually went into long-term care first because that's where I was working. And I will tell you that I was miserable. My very first day after passing my boards, I was supposed to shadow a nurse and she called in. And so they took me a brand new nurse and put me on a hallway by myself with 20 people, paper charting, and tons of meds to pass. I got through it, um, but I was miserable. And I also worked at two different long-term care facilities in that time. And when I tell you I would work day shift from 6.30 to 2 and be in bed by 5, my life was miserable for the three or four months that I did that. So I knew I didn't want to do that long-term, so I went to a home health care facility, and I was a supervisor, which, again, was a nice experience, um, but it was very hard in a different way. Um, I will say that being a supervisor is not something I ever want to be. I know that's funny because I own a business now, but I don't supervise really anyone, and I only have to rely on myself. Being a supervisor in any capacity and having employees under you is the most stressful job and so I did that until I realized that I could not work Monday through Friday and be in nurse practitioner school. Um, so at that point, I finally went to inpatient. And it was very easy for me to transition to that role. Um, for some, it's not. But I really enjoyed being inpatient uh, to a point. Tons of experience. I recommend all nurses do that first because you're going to get the most experience in the hospital. Um, also learn that doctors can be terrifying, they can be nasty, and they can be great. So that was great. Uh, also, patients. Patients are on two different ends of the spectrum, typically. And I kind of want to get into my feelings about healthcare in general a little later in this episode. But yeah, I think it was a great experience. So I did that up until I finished NP school. And I had no intentions of going back to school after that. I was done. But after I took my boards and I had graduated, Indiana State, because I live in Indiana, um, they were one of the schools that offered free applications for minorities. And so I said, hmm, I'll apply to my doctorate. I'll just apply. And then I got in and it was surreal. And I will tell you the entire program went like that. I couldn't believe that I was doing it. I'm like, I'm really doing this. I'm really going to have my doctorate. And now it's still surreal to be Dr. Carey, nurse practitioner, which I also have thoughts and feelings about. And that's a later question. Um, so that is my education background. I started college in 2011 
and I had my doctorate in 2021. So in 10 years, I got three degrees and I'm so happy to be where I am now. I wouldn't change a thing about it. I would not do it again. (laughs) If I woke up tomorrow and they're like, you have to start from the beginning, I probably would do something different because it was so stressful. But I do not regret a single bit of it. Some people frown upon the fact that I went through so fast. I had my doctorate before I was 30. And to each his own. I feel like some people need more life experience. For me, I wanted to get that done so that I could move on to other plans that I have in my life. So I talked a little bit about my work history and my school history. Um, After I became a nurse practitioner, I had my son. And so I wasn't looking for a job right away, but it did take me six months to find a job, interview, and actually start for it. The nurse practitioner world is extremely saturated now um, because it is a good career choice. And so it is really hard to find a job, especially a job that you want. Being a nurse practitioner was different because contracts. As a registered nurse, a floor nurse, you get a job, maybe you're required to give a two-week to one-month notice, and it's just your regular job. As a nurse practitioner, you are typically signing a contract for at least one year, if not more. Uh, Most commonly, I think it's two years, which is what my first contract was, Um, and there's lots of stipulations into that. Will they pay for your education that you're required to do? Because as a nurse practitioner, I have to get Uh, so many hours of education in my five-year certification period. Um, And so you want your employer to pay for that. Um, What are your benefits going to be like? What is my requirement to get out of this contract? A lot of times it's 90 days to six months. Could you imagine putting in a notice six months before you're going to leave? Um, And then what happens if they get rid of you? That's also in the contract. And then we're going to talk about not being able to find a new job after that. A lot of MP jobs or provider jobs have clauses where you cannot um, work in a similar job in a, in so much of a radius um, because of a non-compete. So basically, if I work in urgent care and I leave this job, I can get another urgent care job, but it has to be 10 to 60 miles from the place I was working because they don't want you to take your patients with you. And that can be really daunting for a lot of people. So my first MP job was a job I actually really wanted. I loved my job for a period of time. And my primary job closed after being there for two years. And that's how I ended up in teaching now. So I currently am a nursing faculty in addition to being a nurse practitioner in my own clinic space. Teaching was never on my radar. Um at least initially, I got my doctorate with the knowledge that with a doctorate, I could teach and maybe later in my life when I'm kind of retired, I would teach. But this kind of fell into my lap. Um, And what I would say that I really love about teaching outside of like being with students is the schedule. I can now take off summers and be paid for that. I get a month off at the holidays, um, like Christmas. I also get, you know, a spring break, a fall break. It's very flexible. And I don't work weekends and holidays anymore. I feel like I tell people all the time, I feel like I did my time. I have worked 
so many holidays, so many weekends. When I was in MP school, I pretty much worked every Sunday and then one other day a week because that worked best for my schedule, my daughter's schedule, and being able to get my clinicals. So I feel like I've done my time. I do not want to work weekends and holidays anymore. So teaching, the schedule is great. The pay is lower, I will admit. But for me, I am more concerned about enjoying my life at this point than the pay. Obviously, I need the pay and I make up for it other ways, but I will take a little less to have more enjoyable life. And I think that is like the big trend right now and why corporate America is suffering because we want to enjoy life. I do not want to live to work. I work to live and enjoy my life. So I teach, like I said, I have taught um, a few different classes. I will say that teaching is very hard. Um, because being on the inside of a nursing program, you don't understand why your teachers are the way that they are. But when you come out of it, you do get to reflect back. I will say there are teachers that are just terribly mean, but a lot of nursing instructors are just trying to teach you outside of the material. They're trying to teach you accountability and responsibility. And 50% of nursing is just being resourceful and knowing how to, um, find materials you need and be changeable in your workspace. The other 50% is your material, your knowledge base. But when I tell you, when you come out of nursing school, you know nothing. You have a foundation, but you learn your skills really and everything that you're going to have in your career when you hit that floor. And so you have to be resourceful. So a lot of times students, especially, you know, you're coming straight out of high school, you were fed everything. And now you have these instructors like, you need to find this. You need to know how to find this. We're your last resource. You need to be asking your your students in your class. You need to come prepared with this, this, and that. It's like mind-blowing. So I definitely understand I'm not too far removed from nursing school that I don't understand that. But I also have to teach you to be accountable and responsible because you're going to be your coworker's favorite employee if you are a good, responsible, accountable nurse on top of just knowing some of your knowledge. So nursing school can be really hard just from the feedback sometimes you get from students. But I would say I also really love teaching because it keeps me accountable and responsible for my nursing skills that I might not have ever used otherwise. I still get to go to the hospital. I am hanging IV bags. Um, I'm doing all kinds of things. And those are skills that a lot of nurses that don't, don't get to do if they have left the hospital. So I do appreciate that. In addition to being a teacher, I own my own clinic. So I own Rejuvenate Muncie. If you listen to the first episode, I talked with my aunt, Jessica. She is the owner of Rejuvenate Indy, and we have sister clinics. So at my clinic, I do several things. I offer weight loss, medical weight loss. I offer IV hydration. So I have lots of different formulas to treat lots of different things. I offer men and women's hormone therapy, so that can be testosterone replacement, estrogen replacement, lots of variations on that. I also do vitamin injections, so vitamin B12, B-complex, vitamin D. Um, I have an immune booster, lots of different essential elements you can do in injectables. And then I also offer Botox. And I want to get more into the aesthetics, but I need a bigger space to really do what I'm wanting to. Um being a business owner also was not in my original cards. As I mentioned, I don't like being a supervisor. I prefer to be a peon. I want to go to work and then clock out and go home. But I found that running my clinic is very 
fulfilling for me. I previously did a home care business with some friends of mine and it was so stressful. It was everything I did not like about being a supervisor. People don't come to work. People are not happy. They're not reliable. It was just stress after stress every day. And I was so happy to let that go. And I said, I'm never doing this again. But then my aunt talked to me about the clinic and I'm like, it's just me. The only employee there is primarily me and my grandma who I have pulled out of retirement to come work for me. So the clinic is amazing. I was terrified to do anything like this, which is why I said I wouldn't. But having my aunt to bounce off of really helps with the support. And I have great support groups that I'm in for this. Um, So I opened my own clinic in March of 2022. And it has been amazing ever since then. We're coming up on a year and it has been so successful. I am so thankful to all the support I get in my community. Um, And I'm going to talk a little bit more about being a business owner as I get into this episode. So I had a few questions that were pretty similar, and it was basically, what are my struggles as a nurse practitioner? What was the greatest challenge that I faced? How did I overcome it? Um, So I would say that so far, my biggest challenge or struggle has been outside providers. And what I mean by that, I really mean physicians. Um, I live in a state that does not allow me to practice independently. And so what that means is I can have my own clinic. I'm there by myself, but I have to have a physician oversight. What's hilarious about that is in my state, even a dentist can have oversight over me and a dentist knows nothing about what I do, but because they are considered MDs, they can have that oversight. Um, There are great physicians out there who are great with nurse practitioners, but I will say that there are several that are also intimidated by us because we are cheaper, we have a different foundational learning, and it intimidates them. A lot of times I run into physicians who are older and they have never updated their practice. Despite doing continuing education, they are stuck in their ways. And so they are intimidated is the best word to describe it. And so that has been a challenge um, for me in this journey is getting their respect from others. I recently was told that a physician told a family member of mine that I'm not a real doctor, which let me explain. I have a doctorate in nursing. I am Dr. Carrie. I am also a family nurse practitioner. And by law in Indiana now, since January 1st, if I tell people that I am Dr. Carrie, I have to also clarify that I'm a nurse practitioner because it's considered um, falsely advertising myself. That's a joke. But neither here nor there, I have to do that. Um, and so this person, this provider, this physician in a appointment with a person, pulled up my information, questioned the patient about me, and argued with the patient about my credentials and education background. How embarrassing for you. But that is common. That is so common in this field as a, I'm considered a mid-level provider is what we consider nurse practitioners and physician's assistants. And so that is common and it's a struggle. Um, Another thing I would say that I have faced just 
throughout my journey in education um, is intimidation overall. So obviously, I am a black woman. I am young. And I do not back down from a lot of things. I say what I mean. I am very blunt. I just get to the point. I don't believe in sugarcoating anything. And that intimidates a lot of people. I have been in a lot of higher positions to where my employees are older than me. Um, And I've even in my history had an employee tell me that I should treat him like my grandfather, which absolutely not. You are my employee no matter your age. But that is intimidating to have a young black woman in a position of power over you or authority over you, I should say. That is intimidating for a lot of people. And so I do not, one, garner the respect that a lot of people do when I enter a room. If I was a 50-year-old Caucasian male physician, I would not have to question anything. I would pretty much always have my respect as soon as I enter the room with those credentials and those demographics behind me. But as a 30-year-old African-American black woman, nurse practitioner, all of those are just barriers and hurdles for me every single time. And so that's something that I think will improve with age. And as the country and the world becomes more accepting of nurse practitioners, but it is something that I battle with almost every day. Um, Another question I had was, as a woman wearing so many hats, what is something I'm learning about myself, good and bad? I would say that something that I love about myself and also do not like about myself is the fact that I have to make a lot of difficult decisions Um, business-wise and personally. So a good thing about me, I would say, is that I have no problems, like I said, being blunt and getting straight to the point. Um, I can keep things black and white. Um, But what I don't like about that is that I am so often labeled as uh, rude or insensitive or aggressive or difficult because of how I handle business and personal things. I think that, and I'll kind of get into this in a minute, but I think as a country, you know, we have done so much harm in the thought process of the customer is always right, or here's your satisfaction uh, survey, here's your participation trophy, and that is not real. Um, There are rules and boundaries set in a lot of things that people have to follow and they are in place for a reason. And I uphold that. One thing I explain to like my students is I am not a helicopter mom. I will not circle over you to make sure you are doing what you need to. But when it's time for it to be due, if you have not met those qualifications, you have not met those qualifications. And there are exceptions to that. But there are rules in place for a reason. And so I don't like that by upholding my standards or my values or the rules that it labels me that way. But I also like that I'm able to do that without it hurting me. I have a very thick skin and I can deal with that. Um, Which kind of leads to my next question, which was, have you ever been labeled an angry black woman or a woman with an attitude? Which I just answered, absolutely. I have been told by patients on surveys. I have been told by coworkers that. And it's funny because I can tell them the exact same thing that one of my coworkers does, who is 
white or older and they will be so receptive to that information and so I don't adjust to those labels which was the other part of that question how do I adjust to that I don't I'm not going to change that based on someone labeling me that way because they didn't get their way that's typically when it happens if someone doesn't get their way that's typically when that label is thrown out I don't wake up in the morning with the intentions of being a bully or being rude and I in no way do I think I am any of those things but that's what you are told when I have a patient who has been sick for two days and they have a cold which is a virus and I won't give them an antibiotic again Healthcare has, especially healthcare, has taught people that if they don't get what they want, they can complain. And I kind of want to get into that a little bit. If you know me, you know I hate patient satisfaction surveys because they're set up for us to fail. If you've never worked in healthcare, satisfaction surveys are scaled from zero to 10 or one to 10. And the only points that count are nines and tens. And I will tell you, I will give people eights, like in just real life. You know, there are some eights and an eight should not be bad, but it doesn't count. So you basically, you get points, good points, if you get a nine or a 10. Um, typically, if you get a six or below, that is a negative. It, it subtracts points. And like sevens and eights don't matter. I'm so sorry if you can hear that. There's a train in the background. But seven and eights do not matter. So they only detract from your score. Maybe you had 20 surveys and you had five that were nines and tens. So I have five out of 20 because those seven and eights did not count. And then the rest of them are all six and under. So then I'm going to end up with a zero at the end of the day. How are we going to win with that? My other issue is that, yes, you should be satisfied with things, but also people don't have an understanding of not getting their way. Um, you not getting an antibiotic when you don't need one should not equal me getting a bad survey. Um, if you go to the hospital and you stay the night, you're not going to get good rest. And I'm not really sure why that's a question on the survey. You're in a hospital. You're in a strange place. The bed never stops moving. People's alarms are going off, probably for good reason. I don't know what to do about that. And I don't know that there's a way to do anything about that. Why are we going to be reflected negatively because of something that is honestly the expectation of the hospital? So I just think that this culture of patient satisfaction surveys have set us up to not be able to do our jobs. And I'm going to be honest with you. People who typically do their job well in healthcare may or may not have the best survey scores because I can't get good surveys if I am not what some would consider a people pleaser. I have worked with someone who has done the most unethical things. They have given prescriptions to patients they haven't even seen in the office. They never follow up on their patient care. They never complete any of their work until months later, but they have great scores because they give people whatever they ask for. And that's not how healthcare should be. We as the providers or the workers inside, we are the ones that are medically trained. And I'm not saying that we are always right, but we are the ones that you're supposed to come to with trust because we were trained for this position. But you not getting something that you think that you should want as the untrained patient should not equal me getting a bad survey. But that's just food for thought. Moving on, um, someone asked, how have I overcome fear? Do I still deal with fear? Um, and have I ever dealt with self-sabotage or burnout? 
And I would say... Yes, I still have fear. My fear presents in a different way. I wouldn't say that I'm ever terrified um, of how we think of fear normally. What I would say that I have a lot is imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is a questioning of myself. It is the question of, do I really know what I'm doing? Am I qualified to do this? Do I deserve this? Imposter syndrome is so real. Um, And so that is my fear that I've had and I will continue to have, I guarantee you. I, as a provider, am very honest. If I don't know something, I will tell you and I will look into it. But I will say, I do not know this. Some people frown upon that, like patients, if they come to you and they're like, well, she didn't even know. But I think being honest is the best policy. Um, I always second guess myself. I'm, I will look up the same medication or the same lab multiple times just because I second guess, do I really know this? Um, you know, my first job as a nurse practitioner, I was by myself in that clinic and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm really doing it. And I'm trained. I passed my boards. I'm ready to go. But there's so much that we don't learn until practice and that we're still learning every day that, and that's normal. That doesn't make me an imposter. Um, Another time I felt that is when I just won the Athena Award. Even now I sit here and I'm like, did I deserve to win that? Who am I? Like, who is Dominique Scary? What have I done that makes me deserving of that award? And that is like a nagging thought, fear at the back of my brain all the time. So I definitely still deal with that. I wouldn't say that I'm ever self-sabotaging. I don't let that thought overrun me, but I have had burnout. Um, Even with the short time that I was working in the hospital, I was burnt out. I couldn't imagine working through COVID. I will even say that there were several opportunities for me to go inpatient during COVID and make all the money. But like I said earlier, the money does not matter to me at a point. I knew that as soon as I would go to put my scrubs on to walk into that building, I would be miserable. And that's because being an inpatient nurse is backbreaking, unforgiving, labor. And I don't want to do that anymore. I just, I can't, especially after being a provider. um, I don't know how I can deal with other providers and how they talk to and treat nurses in the hospital. Um, And so even before I finished MP school, I was already experiencing that feeling of like drain. And I'm so glad I went to MP school when I did, because I knew I could not do this long-term. Some people do that. They are floor nurses until they retire. And that is great for them. I knew I could not do that. So I definitely have felt that um, that burnout. So just kind of moving over to the business side, I want to talk about my weight loss journey that I have talked about so much and building my business. Um, so if you know me personally, I have lost around 80 pounds. Um, in August of 2021, I was like, I can't do this anymore. I was 260 pounds, which was my biggest non-pregnant weight. Um, when I had my son, I was, I'm being very honest and transparent here. I was around 275 pounds. I lost a little bit of weight and I breastfed him and everybody's like, Oh, you'll lose weight. Not me, not this girl. So I was 260 pounds. I was huge. I was miserable. I was out of breath folding laundry. I was, I could not do this anymore. And I will tell you that I have always felt big. Um, growing up, I was around a lot of Caucasian people. And those are my friends. And they were all very slim built. And so I always felt like I was big anyways. Looking back, I realized I was not. But I have always been on this weight loss yo-yo. 
I think the most I've ever lost on my own was like 30 pounds and I couldn't keep it off. So that August, I said, I, I looked into this doctor in July. He was in Carmel. He was doing virtual appointments. I'm like, great. Yes, I'm going to do this. And I went into this with the mindset that I am not doing a diet. This is a lifestyle change. I will not be miserable. I'm not eating chicken and rice and broccoli every day. I'm just going to, I'm going to take this medicine and I'm going to do my best. So August 1st of 2022 or 2021, I'm sorry, I started that journey. From August to December, I lost 50 pounds. And people asked if I exercised. I walked in my neighborhood from August to like mid-October. That was it. Um, and I still ate pretty much what I wanted. I, even now, I I teach calorie counting. And within that calorie allowance, I ate whatever I wanted because I live in my car. I'm always on the go. And so I have to eat fast food pretty much. It sucks, but I do. And so I had to be realistic with myself. And my kids had birthdays and I still ate a cupcake. Like life goes on. And I said, I'm going to do this and I'm not going to be miserable. So I lost 50 pounds in four and a half months. In December of that year, I started working on my business. So my tracking for weight loss did not stay so consistent, but I lost another 30 pounds and I have never felt better. Um, Things that I notice that I love is one, flying in a plane, like actually fitting the seat well, wonderful. Um, My grandpa, I tell people all the time, my grandpa is the reason I know I lost weight because he will tell all of us when we're getting big. And so he was like, Dominique is really losing weight. He's telling all the people at church and stuff, and it's hilarious, but that's how I know. I also want to say that I still struggle with body dysmorphia. I love to eat. That is never going to change, and I want people to understand if you go into a weight loss program, you can put your weight back on after you stop your program. That is not the fault of the program. If you are a foodie, you are going to be a foodie, and you have to battle that. I fight that every day. In my mind, I could just roll around in buckets of ice cream and stuff and be so happy. <laughs> and I know I can't do that. So I have to be realistic. That is never going to change. Also, I still feel big a lot of times. Um, you know, I am about 180 pounds now. And technically, if we go by BMI, I am overweight. So I do not go by BMIs in my clinic. But I have to look in the mirror and like turn sideways and take pictures. And I'm like, oh, I really did lose a lot of weight. I need those reminders because I still struggle. So I just want other people to realize that it's okay if you're still struggling. And there are people out there like that, like me and like you. Um, And that does not change anything. Just keep going with your journey. So my weight loss journey, and I already mentioned my aunt, were really the catalyst for me starting my business. A few years ago when I was in nursing school, I actually talked to someone about starting mobile IV hydration before that really got big. But I was only a registered nurse. I didn't know anything about business. And I'm like, "Ah, I just don't know. So when my aunt was like, I'm going to start this business, this, 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 and my aunt was also on her weight loss journey, I'm like, yes, I'm going to do it. And so I did. I would say, I think I started like mid-December and by January, my business was really ready to go. Um, In January of 2022, I got my location. I started getting supplies and furniture. And by February, I posted the announcement that I was doing a business um, and I opened March 1st of 2022. My business has been self-sustaining since I opened. um, And that was my biggest concern first off. 
I am so thankful for the support I have in this community because I would be absolutely nothing without it. People coming to see me just because they know me, people sharing my posts, people talking about it at other events, people asking me to talk, people thanking me, people asking for business cards to put in their business. I would be nowhere without all of that. So you definitely need to be a good um, support in your community so that they will support you back. Um, the business has been great. I would say I have none of the stress I had with my other business. Um, and there are always challenges. I'm still learning like tax information. Do I still want to be an LLC or do I want to be an S corporation? Um, I am to the point now where I do need to hire some help. My grandma works for me. Um, so she's great, but I, And I trust her and that was great. But I think I still need help outside of her. And so letting go of those reins and thinking about that is very hard for me because I love the fact that it's just me. I don't have to worry about other stuff, but the business is growing. Um, I really need a bigger space. These are good growing pains. And so if you are going into business, know that you're going to have those growing pains and embrace them. That is a good thing. That's a good sign. So I really cannot complain about anything um, one of the hardest things I would say about my business is that I am the face of my business. And so I get a lot of questions and people ask me questions in general all the time about medical stuff, which I don't care too much. Um, but there are some things that you have to pay for. And so I think, I think of my business as a luxury. It is, everyone cannot afford it. Um, and that is okay. Whether you are a hairstylist, um, a medical person, and a trainer, um, a, a nail tech, whatever you are, these are luxury businesses and everyone is not going to be able to afford it. What we have to remember is that we cannot reduce our worth to meet everyone else. And there are people and patients and clients that you do not want. We have to be okay with that. Um, also, being out and about, um, people are going to ask questions and you have to determine how much information are you going to give because you're not getting paid for that time. I'm going to be real. My business is about money and people will shame you and say, you only care about the money. I'm running a business. I have to care about the money. So, Don't shame a business owner because they want you to pay the price for the quality of their work and their service. That is what we do. We are business owners. We are trying to make it just like you are. I worked three jobs pretty much all last year and I was only getting paid for two. I'm now paying myself out of my clinic and I'm terrified because it's another step. It's money I'm taking away from it. But I am just trying to make it just like everyone else. And so people need to realize that about business owners. We probably have not made it. If we are still working in our business, we have not made it. When I can hire people and I never have to set foot in there, I might have made it at that point. But we are just working just like you. So have a little grace. Someone did ask me, um, I was actually in marching band in high school when I lived in Indianapolis. And I um, I love marching band. I also hated marching band. It's It's a double-edged sword. But someone asked me, do I think that that helped with my work ethic? And I would say absolutely. Um, If you know me, I am a workaholic. I do work smarter, not harder, but I am very determined, very driven. And being in marching band, I definitely, um, you know, I definitely think that helped. It taught me, one, to work as a team, which I don't like even to the day. You know, in school, they want you to do all these projects. I don't like teamwork because I like my way and I just want to get it done. But I learned how to deal with that. And that helps me a lot with boards and stuff that I sit on now. So I definitely think being in marching band helped me with that. 
I did just mention that I do sit on a few boards um, and it is something that I'm doing to give back to my community. Um, I, once I finished my doctorate, was like, okay, I need to give back. They have given to me, I have been supported and I need to give back. So I am very invested. There are some boards that I are really more passion projects for me um, and it's where my heart really lies. There are other boards that I do because I feel like as a young Black woman, I am, I am required to be there. I have to do it for everyone else because I am most commonly the only person that looks like me in that space. So that is why I sit on the boards that I do. Uh, let's see here. One question I got was, while building my business, what was a lesson you know now that you wish you knew at the beginning. Um, and I want to say, I think I kind of answered that already. That really goes back to this being a luxury business and every client will not be my client. Um, and understanding that from the beginning would have been helpful. I do not like to be a salesperson. I don't like to upsell. It's very hard for me. And so when people want to haggle prices, I don't like to do that. Um, and understanding that every client is not going to be for me is something that I wish I knew from the beginning and just knowing how to deal from that um, head on from the very beginning. All right, so just kind of moving on here, um, I wanna kind of talk about my personal life. So I mentioned I have a daughter and a son. I actually am going to have, I have two stepkids. I'm not going to say I'm going to have them. They've been in my life for years. So all together, we have four kids and I'm newly engaged. I told everyone not to ask me to do any extra things in the next year because I am planning a wedding. And why, side note, do weddings cost so much? I don't think I could plan a wedding for less than $20,000. And I know that people say they can. I cannot. This is for me. This is what I want. But that my personal life is just as hectic as my professional. My daughter does gymnastics. Um, she's nine. She's sassy. She's moody. And I. she's not even a teenager. My son is four. He is mouthy. He is brilliant. Both of my kids are brilliant. I don't know what to do with them. He's wild. They are complete opposites. My stepkids are great. They are older and laid back. Um, and my fiance is a great, great, great supportive person. He has dealt with my moods and my tears and my struggles and my ideas. And I'm very thankful for him. Um, balancing my personal life. I wouldn't say it's hard. I, if you know me, I'm a very type A person. I am very structured. Um, you probably cannot ask me to go do something tonight or in the next month. I need to know in advance because I have things planned out in advance. I will say that's something I also don't like is that by March, my entire summer will probably be planned out. And I hate that I don't have that flexibility. But the thing I keep reminding myself is I'm doing this for the long run. When I am 40, so in 10 years, I hope to have unlimited flexibility and free time. And so that is my driving purpose to just keep doing because I want to get this stuff done. I'm trying to knock things out ahead of time so that I'm going to enjoy my life. I'm very thankful that I had my kids early um, because they are growing with me. And I would say that I haven't missed a beat with them. 
because of my support system, I never missed a performance or a school function or anything. And I'm very thankful for that. But they do get to see mommy grow her grow her life and her business and her profession and enjoy it too. I did mention that I am okay with taking a little less pay for life. And I think that other people have to get to that point also. I want to go on vacations. I want my weekends off. I want holidays with my families. I will work, 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 work Monday through Friday, but I am off when I am off on those weekends. My emails are off. I'm not answering calls. Um, Technically, I do work Saturdays at the clinic, but I take some Saturdays off. I take time for myself. I opened a business so that I could be more flexible. I'm not going to overrun myself there either. And so that is really how I balance my life. I prioritize my family and my free time. I will work, work, work when I'm supposed to be working. But when I am off, I am off. And I just think that's a great mindset um, to have. Um, A piece of advice was also a question. And so I like to ask each of my podcast guests also for a piece of advice. And my advice is always just keep going. There have been so many hard things that have happened to me, not as hard as other people, but things that happen. I have failed classes. Um, I have had heartbreak. And my one of my biggest advice is just don't date when you're trying to go through school. Or hopefully you found a good person and so you're not thinking about dating because that is such a distraction. <laughs> I was so glad to have Josh in MP school because I have him. I'm good. I'm not dating. I'm not worrying about that. My heart's not getting broken. Heartbreak ruins school. Um, so I have filled classes. I've had my heart broken. I have been scraping the bottom of my bank account. I tell people all the time that I'm broke. Um, but I, you just keep going. You know, you cannot let these things interfere with the end goal. You have to be thinking of the long, uh, long game here. You have to see that little piece of light at the end of the tunnel. I still have so many goals for myself. I want to build a house. I want to expand my business. I want to be like my dad and stepmom and go on vacations every month. So I have goals that I'm trying to reach. Um, And I would just say, keep going. Take classes, do things outside of your norm and your box, but just keep going in the direction that you want to be going and don't let anything deter you from that. With that being said, I have talked way more than I normally do in an episode. I have so much other stuff that I could talk about. So maybe I'll interview myself again um, later. But I just really wanted to take this episode to talk about myself, introduce myself, answer questions that people have for me, understand me a little better. Um, This podcast, I just, I love talking to people. Um, I'm actually kind of like an introvert, but I have so many passions. Outside of medicine, I mean, I love true crime. I love celebrity gossip. So if you ever want to talk to me about those things, please do. I love to read books. I'm an avid reader. Um, If you ever want to do that. I even kind of tried to start a book club. It didn't really launch the way I wanted to, but hey, you live and you learn. So I just wanted to take this time and talk about myself. Um, So if you are interested in being on the podcast, if you are a medical person, if you're a nursing student, if you are not in nursing, because I want non-nursing people also on here, if you are just a regular person who has medical questions and you have a medical condition that you want to share or talk about, please reach out to me and get on the show. Um, But yeah, I guess I will see you guys next time because this is the end of the episode. 
Have a great day.